It's been a minute, but we are back on the scene with Megasheen. Yes, we are. We're back. Back in 2018. We you are. know, it's a new us. We got a brand new attitude like Patty LaBelle. We do. We're staring it up like Patty LaBelle, too. <laughs> yes, we on the uh, the album of uh, Beverly Hills Cop, you know. I have to say, that song right there gets me gets me together. It's, it's like a it's like a good song to get you like, you know, prepped up for the day. Um, yeah. But yeah, people don't know about Stare It Up. I'm like, y'all need to listen to Stare It Up because you'll be ready to, I don't know, do something. Go shop and paint a wall. You'll be ready to do something after this. Get something with your life, you know. Yeah, you do. But yeah, we are back. How you been doing, Nick? How's the break and everything and the snow and madness? <laughs> Let's see. The break was good. Uh, Christmas, I went home to see mom and uh, my sisters. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't tell anybody, uh, but I think everybody saw on Twitter that I'm going to be an uncle in March. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm excited about that. A little nervous because, you know, I don't like kids. <laughs> um, but I think my sister, my older sister, she's going to be... Uh, going to be an amazing mom uh new year's was fun i went out to the club to see the boyfriend at his drag performance mm-hmm. um it was good you know you know how the clubs are on new year's eve everybody's there everybody tries to get drunk somebody was throwing up in the sink and i'm mm-hmm. like girl what are you doing like it was just it was so bad that I didn't even bother to wash my hands. I was like, okay, look, this is just nasty. That is bringing in the new year already, throwing up. Oh, just mess. <laughs> All kinds of mess. I was like, oh, see, that's why you can't hold your liquor. You cannot. Wow. But yeah. other than that, you know, ain't nothing going on but the rap, like Wayne Guthrie. <laughs> I heard that song in a minute. Um, but but yeah, the the break was good. I had I think I put on some, people people came after me because I put up I had two and a half weeks off, and they was like, "Bitch, some of us have to go back to work." I was like, "Well, I am sorry. I earned these two and a half weeks." But I was off for two and a half weeks, and you know it, it's been interesting these two and a half weeks. I I kind of um, kind of well uh, reconnected with someone. Um, which was really interesting because I was mad at this person, but this person um, came back into the picture, uh, explained what, what was going on in their life. Um, so we've been hanging around and stuff. Um, I had a good New Year's. I went to a little town called Ventura. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's a pretty weird beach town and spent some time there for New Year's. Uh, I had a quiet New Year's. I'm a little bit older, so, you know, I don't I don't go out to the club. I just, you know, we like to do it quiet in a nice setting, you know, on the beach. Um, a little bit of, you know, champagne and, you know, you know, you try to be, you know, cultural because you don't want to be caught doing things in public. But, you know, you're just out there enjoying, you know, the time and what have you. And... Um, yeah. <laughs> Um, and that's about it. Just really enjoy being at home and, well, in my house. Let me rephrase that. Uh, my family lives in Buffalo, New York, and that is just a no-go because if you know about Buffalo, Buffalo during the times of winter or even at that stage is madness. You can get stuck in Buffalo. So that's a, a trip I do not take. But, <laughs> but it always was good. You know, I am... 
um, because we had the fires, a lot of us who have allergies, we were feeling it for weeks. Oh, and, I bet. And I found out that the reason why I was coughing at night is because I had my windows open in my bedroom, and I didn't realize that all that smoke got caught not only in my curtains, but on the screen. So I was basically breathing. I didn't even realize I was breathing that. I was like, why am I coughing at night? Then I figured it out. So I was like, Lord, and all that dirt. I'm just telling you, though, that, that fire, the fires, we got rain finally, and they kind of took it out of the air. But I'm telling y'all, we were going through it for a while. Mm-hmm. Now y'all got mudslides. Y'all just can't catch a break. <laughs> I know we can't. And these mudslides are not too far from where I'm at. So I'm just like, wow, we went through fires where I'm driving through smoke and, and fire. And now we got mudslides. I mean, good Lord. They, I, <laughs> I can't be bothered. <laughs> but now we got sunny. It's sunny today. It's really pretty today. So I'm. It, it's, it's always a nice thing about it. When places are suffering from snow and ice, I can just look outside and be like, Look at the sun. Girl, don't do that. <laughs> because it was snowing, and it was like a a cool, I think it was like 10 degrees when I got up this morning. Oh, my God. I don't know what that even feels like anymore. I've I, I just been spoiled. <laughs> I don't know what 10 degrees feel. I probably would die at this Girl, point. It's, it's too much for me. I used to be able to handle the, uh, the cold, but now it's like, look. Get me to a beach. You don't have a fur coat, you know. You need a good fur coat. Every girl needs a good fur coat to get through these winters, and I should, should. <laughs> oh goodness! But yeah, we are back. We are excited to be back. We have a very special guest that we got to talk to today, and we can't wait for y'all to hear it. Um, but I guess we should just tell you because you already know because you're reading the. You right, read the, it's pro- in the notes. Shit. Yeah, so. <laughs> We have DeRay. DeRay is here. We've talked with DeRay about the future and politics and all that great stuff. And if he's a nerd, you know what I mean? Because, you know, we can make the assumption because he's super smart that he will be a nerd. But we asked him some questions and give us some very good answers. So y'all get to see that later in the show. Um, But, you know, it's time to get into some Aunt May's tea because it's been some stuff going down and we got to talk about it. It's been minutes since we pulled these teacups out. Yep. A little dusty. You have to make sure to clean the rims off. <laughs> the girls know about a rim. <laughs> <laughs> so what we have up first? Well, let's see. Let's talk about the big news that happened over the break. And that was the fact that DeWanda Wise has been cast in the major role in Captain America. Now, if you don't know who she is, she is she played the lead and She's Gotta Have It. Um, the Netflix series, basically from the um, almost said Stephen King, but from the <laughs> Spike Lee movie, um, back have you seen in the eighties. I haven't uh, watched that. Um, she's got to have it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I've seen the movie and I watched the entire series. Um, it was pretty good, and she was pretty good. Um, it's a lot of, lot of the uh, Spike Lee, a lot of Spike Lee, even down to his like of his his of. I want to say obsession with Prince because he loves Prince, and so we've got a little bit of that in there. Um, but it was it's a great show. It's a nice series. It's a very complex series, um, and with um Dewanda, she did a great job being lead in the show. But to uh-huh. now know that she is going to be um, in a major role in Captain America, if you look at her and think about it, I can't help 
But to think she's going to be Monica Rambeau, a.k.a. the original Captain Marvel. Right. Now, see, it was, it was an, when it was announced that she was in this, uh, a cast in a major role, it wasn't, they didn't say what she was, who she was cast as, and they were being really hush-hush about it. Mm-hmm. And if you're thinking, if she was, like, in a minor role, then they wouldn't have no problem saying what the character she's playing. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm going on that alone, that she's uh, Monica. I think she is too, and you know what? But then they could be playing us, and I'm like, Marvel, don't be doing that because you're doing so well right now. So don't be playing right. with us like this. But it does feel like that it could be her, and I think that they may make it, make it so, just because they know her popularity, they know she's a popular character, she's still a popular character, um, and she has a lot to do in the life of Carol Danvers. So I think that you know. This will only make sense, and I think if they are moving into the next phase, you know, when they think about these next um, gaggle of films, they do want to make it more diverse because it has been very white. I mean, you think about the Avengers when it came out; it was, you know, all of them were very white. If you, and some people will say, "Well, the Hulk is green," but anyway, it was just pretty much all white group. I think as we move forward, they need to diversify it. Um, and so I think that she could be her, and I think it would be amazing if she is. The question will be, what code name will she use? Because everybody knows Monica has 12,000 code names. Right. Should be Photon. She's got as many code names as uh, Alexa's character <laughs> has last name. I know. Photon, Spectrum, Beam Me Up, whatever she has. <laughs> like something. So we don't know which one she's going to use. Um, but hopefully it is Monica Rambeau, and if it is, it's be a great introduction to her. I've always thought that they could have introduced her in maybe other things. Um, like I thought that maybe in the um, Ages of Shield they would have introduced Monica, but you know this might be a pretty good start here. Um, and maybe who knows, she might even be seen in um, Infinity War because I feel like Infinity War has some surprises we have not even thought of yet. So, oh yes, definitely. So you know, I'm I really think it's her, um, and I think when the news came out, we all, we all were speculating to the to the to the to the gods about who she was and everything, and people really responded to so many things about Monica. Hell, we even put something on our, on our Twitter, and people were really into the fact that this could be Monica. So here's here's to my fingers across. I really hope it is Monica Rambo. I mean, who else? If it's not Monica, then who would it be? That's what I was saying. I was like, well, who else? Who has a major role? Unless they created some new character. But I was like, there's no other major role who is black, a black woman in um, Captain Marvel. But the woman who was originally named Captain Marvel. <laughs> right. It, it, I mean, it couldn't, it couldn't be Storm because Storm wasn't even a part of Captain Marvel's storyline. So who knows? Um, so I'm I'm curious about that. Um, so we'll see. We'll see as time you know go. I have been going on a IMDb page just to see if they have you know snuck up like who she is. Uh-huh. Haven't seen anything yet, but they Marvel knew what they were doing. They knew what they were doing. Yeah, they know. They know they have gold. <laughs> they knew that, and. <clears throat> It'd be amazing, you know, if she's in costume. Personally, I don't really care if she's in costume or not. I just want her in the movie. I, were, I just want to see what they're going to do with her. 
and what how they would carry her through and if she may make her way into the Avengers. So, because she led them at one point, and uh-huh. I think they it would be, make sense. You know, to put her up in there, diversify it, superfy it. So hopefully, hopefully, we got Monica Rambo. Moving on, well, since we're talking about Marvel, let's mm-hmm. talk about this new slew of Black Panther advertisement. Yes. So, they have been putting out a lot of these like TV spots that have been really good. There was a new new trailer that popped out throughout the break as well. It gives a little bit more about what's going on. But the latest one that featured the, the Dora Maje, I was just like... <laughs> It's just so amazing. Like, I'm thinking of them, and not to compare them to the Amazons and Wonder Woman, but I feel like we're, I'm getting that vibe that I got when I first saw the Amazons, you know, in action. And to see them in action was really neat, especially when that whole car chase scene. Uh Uh-huh. I was like, what? She's flipping up on cars and in in this dress? It, it, it It was giving me so much vibes like here she is in this glamorous dress flipping up on cars willing to spear throwing it through you know the thing i was like this is just this is some espionage james bond uh you know black mama white mama just everything charlie's angels ish i was just getting everything from this i mean the marvel knows what they're doing as far as advertisement Mm -hmm. they know that black women if the, if you advertise to a certain demographic, especially black women, then they will come and support. Mm-hmm. And you saw with the the other picture, the other uh, posters that were uh, advertised uh, when um, Denai Guerrero's uh, character is in the forefront, and you know the it's shaped like the country of Africa, well, the continent of Africa. Um, I cannot wait. We're less than what thirty days away. Yeah. Black Panther and the TV spots. I liked how the new commercials, they showed you much of what you've seen before but just a little bit new to mm-hmm. keep you interested mm-hmm. and I like that we still don't know like the whole story. Mm-hmm. And it, it, and I'm excited just because again it looks going to be amazing. The women have a very strong role in it and it's going to be Something that's really going to change the game. I just feel like it, and I just hope that you know when we think about you know more. I mean, it's it's getting to the point that superhero movies are really out there and saturating the field. But I really hope that Black Panther is one of those films that changes how we look at superhero films, and they're saying that that's what it's doing. I really hope that it will do that, and I really, I really want. I really appreciate the way that they are projecting black women or they are how they are putting black women out there in the sense of they're not this is not traditionally roles we've seen black women in. So this is going to be really fascinating to see how the response is because you know there's going to be that one woman who may feel like well, you know, they they the hair all cut off, you know, they got some of the, some of the those other women that I know hair all cut off and they doing this and they're not trying to be married it's it's gonna be you know it's gonna be challenging and i think it's gonna be great i I love the fact that black women will see themselves in very diverse roles they haven't really seen themselves in and it's gonna be amazing just to see the reaction um as they introduce the whole world of wakanda to us exactly so yeah i'm excited i 
oh man like i just thought about everything over the weekend like how it's coming up it's gonna be on my birthday i'm so excited so do you have your tickets ordered um yes in fact we you know at the arc light Oh God! They make sure they they send you emails saying, "Hey, we know that you have an interest. Would you like for us to hold tickets? For, like they'll do that for you. Like, girl, go ahead and hold them. You know, right? Like hold these tickets, girl. Go yeah. ahead. You know, yeah, you know we coming. In fact, we coming the day before, and I'm working on coming three days before. Uh, we're working on that right now. We try to get into we can go three days before. Um, so yeah, and and speaking of that, every time you rate us, and you know recommend us and retweet us, you help us, you know attend these um, events and soirees. <laughs> so, right. So keep that in mind, folks. But yes, it's gonna be neat, just to be able to go and see the people, um, who's gonna be a part of it. Now I've already borrowed a friend of mine because he said this is what he did when we went to see. Um, he wasn't with me, and if he was, he would have been cast out. But apparently my friend went to, when they saw um, Civil War, and when Black Panther was introduced, he shouted, how did Catwoman get in this film? Uh-uh. He said that he, he said a whole role looked at him fiercely, and I said, yes, you should have got beat up. You should have got slapped for that. So he's not going with us. <laughs> I was just saying right. He's not going with us. I already told him, like, you're not going with us. Because if you do stuff like that, I will kill you myself. <laughs> it's that serious. I need to know what I need to wear. <laughs> well, what, what, are you think, what are you thinking of wearing? I don't know if I want to go all black. Or if I want to be, because uh, I have this shirt that says, does my blackness offend you? Mm-hmm. I don't want to be, want to be militant. Or if I want to just get like a Wakanda shirt and a Marvel shirt and be done with it, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know. This is some choices, but I don't know because there's so many things. Like the, like the Disney store has opened, and so there's a lot of nice T-shirts um, mm-hmm. for Black Panther. Like somewhere in African print, like it's really pretty stuff. Yeah, um, I could get wear dashiki, you know, and like a little <laughs> head wrap. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you go in there looking like Thelma from Good Times when she had her braids in with eBay. Right. <laughs> I don't know. I I haven't thought about that. I do have, I do have um, a Black Panther shirt, so I may wear that or make it a new one. I kind of want one with the with with the Dora Manje on it. Like I want that. I kind of want to do something totally different. So I might go looking for that or have one made. I might have to do something quick. Oh crap! I have to do it quick because it's only a month. So I gotta hurry up and get right? this together. Oh crap! But yes, yeah, so what? Oh. And tonight, speaking of blackness, tonight is the premiere of Black Lightning um, that will be on CW this evening. And if you haven't been familiar with Black Lightning, it is Black Knight. Ugh, can't even talk. He is a hero that's been around since the 70s um, from the comics. And now he is he has been a very consistent within the comic book world. But now he has his own TV series. Um, which will be on tonight. And from what I've been hearing, there's good reviews on it. Yeah, I've heard it was really good. Um, Black Lightning is played by Chris Williams, who uh, black people know him as Scooter Scooter. from Living Single, (laughs) which uh, Living Single, did you see Living Single was added to Hulu? Yes, and everybody was talking about it, and everybody was excited about it. It was trending for a while. Yeah, you know, Living Single, I'm still watching it. Living Single is so funny, but... (laughs) 
we digress. Um, it set place, what, in the present, right? Yes. And he's the principal of a high school. And I know I was listening to uh, the Black Girl Nerds podcast when they were uh, talking about it. And they said the um, the first episode, they talk about, you know, race relations and getting stopped by the police. You know, it's mm-hmm. it throws the shit in your face up front. That's good. And it doesn't pull any punches. And we will see the first black lesbian superhero. Yes. I believe, was it Thunder? I think it is Thunder. Okay. And, you know, she gave you she gave you some vibes in that poster that came out over the break, too. That poster was, like, lit. And I was like, yes, yeah, she is giving you straight up... Um, <laughs> some vibes so, <laughs> someone says she is giving you thug life she is giving you um, she's giving you stud uh... <laughs> I was like yes yeah, she's giving to you and, I, and I'm excited about that and I hope I hope they do that character justice I do so I'm looking forward to them really giving us a black lesbian superhero so please give her justice um, and Chris I have to say <laughs> yes he, mm. let's just say if he, he couldn't be my principal because I'll be always in trouble all the time. That's my problem now. But I'm just saying, if I was, if I was, if I was, yes, I would be in trouble because that because he is he has aged very well. Like some fine wine. Yeah, and I guess, but then I, I guess they were young because I didn't know that Queen Latifah was like twenty three or twenty four. When she did the single. Yeah, and I was like, yeah. really? I was like, whoa. So, I, so he was young too. I, I, I guess you know, and they both aged really well. So I'm just saying, Chris, I'm gonna be looking forward to seeing you in this skin tight suit all throughout these these upcoming weeks. Um, and I'm glad you prepared tonight because you know everything else comes back. That's including Scandal, Hunger, and Murder. So this is going to be some black television this week. So I'm looking forward for Black um, Black Lightning. I'm um, okay. seeing where the story takes us. And I love the fact that it's not a part, not a part of the Arrowverse. I'm glad to. I know that we had reported last year when the initial report saying that they were going to do a Black Lightning TV show. That we were like, oh, we we found out that it wasn't going to be a part of Arrowverse, and we're like, um, maybe that's not a bad, maybe that's a good thing or a bad thing. But now that Arrowverse is what Arrowverse is, <laughs> it's a good thing that it's not part of it because it can that way Black Lightning can stand on its own mm-hmm. and solidify itself mm-hmm. before getting into all that mess. Yeah, cause I, yeah, I do feel like it's very crazy um according to what they say because i don't watch the shit yeah so yeah um so you brought me on to this and i didn't even notice this but the raggedy underwear company knows what anderson wherever it is who are them christian anderson christian so this (laughs) i found out this story last week um by um Matthew Rodriguez of Into, mm-hmm. and he said, uh, they published an article on their website that the Andrew Christian, and if you don't know, Andrew Christian makes 
underwear for White folks. gay men and specifically geared toward <laughs> gay men. So Andrew Christian sent out Tom Daly. Then if you don't know who Tom Daly is, he's a swimmer for uh, Great Britain. He was in the 2016 games and the 2012 games. Sent out his nudes. Basically, they leaked them. And oh. then I was like, oh, you want to see these? Then click here. What? I'm like, why would y'all of all places do that? I mean, he's in his draws. Isn't that good enough? Oh, he wasn't in his draws. Mm. He was showing, you know, his brown-eyed girl. Oh, Lord, now. And this, that, and the third. Be that as it may, what gives Andrew Christian the right to leak somebody else's news? Like what was the point? I mean, they're not hurting. I mean, all these white gays live for that un, for those underwear that's sixty dollars a pair. I don't even know why they even felt the need to do that. Did they even figure out who did it and why? I don't know. I think I own a couple of pair of uh, Andrew Christians, but Andrew Christian tends to be very white, <laughs> and Andrew Christian himself is like man, especially by L.A. standards. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, you know what I'm. He has a huge billboard down in uh, WeHo. Of course he does, because it's WeHo. Yeah, it is. It is. <laughs> but that's interesting that they would do something like that. And I feel like. Because I feel like nowadays we're at a point where people are leaking things and putting stuff out and rushing to tell stories to get the clicks or to get, you know, to get the clicks and the attention, but not really thinking about the circumstances or the consequences. And I feel like that this is horrible. I hope that Tom is taking some, some, taking some legal action to this because that, that's ridiculous. It really is. And. It, they should be ashamed of themselves. And how they get a, and how they get a hold of these pictures though? That's the other question. I don't know. I do not know. Cause I'm so her like, how do you even get these pictures and what? Because you know, there's always there's always different sides of the story. So, but what mm-hmm. we're hearing right now is this. So I find this very fascinating that his business is out here in the street, <laughs> basically. Yeah, so do what you may, do as you may against Andrew Christian. I mean, I don't pay yeah. for him because they crazy for sixty dollars for some draws. Yeah. Um, on a different side note, jumping away from draws. <laughs> <laughs> um. So there's rumors out there about Wonder Woman two we may see a certain uh, character, and that character is Cheetah. Now, the rumors are that your girl, Sarah Paulson, may be <laughs> Cheetah. Now, I know how you feel about that, but I've been seeing this pop up more and more lately. So I was just curious, what are you thinking? Because I could, I could see it. She has the chops. Does she? She I don't does. want her to yell uh, Well, she's going to yell. Cause she's gonna have to. Cause if she's if she's gonna be Barbara Minerva, Minerva, Barbara goes crazy. At, at, you know she's obsessed with this. So we're gonna see obsessed looking Sarah Paulson. I want somebody ethnic. Hmm. You know, 
because that's what I see as Cheetah. I see somebody who's not only a sexy siren, but is also smart and can take it to people. I just don't see... Sarah doesn't have the range for me. Really? I, I think she's fascinating as an actress. I think she could. Now, if you... If, I don't know if how many of the... Um, of the American Horror Stories you watch, but she was, I could, I could see her do Cheetah because of the role she played in the hotel series, the hotel season. Now see, that's the one I missed. I'll say check that one out because she plays kind of a crazy, you know, person, like, than normal, but she, I, I like her in this particular role. I could see her doing Cheetah because Dr. Minerva is, if you, in a George Perez run she is very obsessive about being younger being you know in control and doing what she needs to do to be powerful i can see sarah really getting into this role and playing her i really can't see anyone else to be honest with you um can she be ethnic yes she could be ethnic um but when i I, but when they put sarah out there it's stuck in my head I, i can only see sarah being a cheetah um but I don't know. I would say for those who don't really know a lot about the cheetah, go back and don't look at the um, Priscilla version of her. There's there's three versions of cheetah. There's the Priscilla version that was and she was basically a rich woman who was who was jealous of her and had some mental issues and she became cheetah. And then there was another one that was she was made by some. I don't know, animal rights, not animal rights, but some type of environment group. And she, I can't remember her name, but she had like, her her hair was always sticking out of her costume. And then you had the one by George Perez. That was the one that I loved because she was the one who was basically um, inhabiting a, a blood god in some sense um, to do this. So I like that version, but we'll see what they come up with. But don't hate on Sarah so quick. I, I just... <laughs> I don't want to see a white woman. <laughs> That's just what it comes down to. That's what it comes down to. Well, I don't know. You you might see that. Speaking of white women, <laughs> uh, they have gone ahead and said that they got they are working on a Black Widow movie, and they are you know they've been working on it. The script is going to be written by a woman, and um, I'm not sure who's going to be directed by. But it'd be nice if it is a woman as well. Um, but I'm actually looking forward to this. I've always wanted a Black Widow movie. I wanted one like seven years ago. No, you don't want one now? Want change. <laughs> and I just, who's still asking for this though? Like a, a lot of people though. But you know, because see, Marvel feels like now you know they you know since the you know the writing's on the wall, Wonder Woman made all that money. Right. In which they should have been the groundbreakers then and just put one out. They could have done that a long time ago. Um, or made a... No, so she ain't going to die in Infinity Wars, which there goes that bet. We don't know. Because we could... Because think about it. If you ever watched um, um, Sarah, Sarah Connor... Not Sarah Connor. <laughs> um, Agent Connor, Lord. Susan and Sharon's in my head. Sharon Connor. That show... She, uh, they did talk about the Black Widow program because there was a character from that program. So maybe they might get into the program a little bit more, um, which would be fascinating because there are other, there was another person who was Black Widow and it could be some interesting stories there, you know. So I, I'm, I'm for it. I, I would love to see it. I would love to see that. 
I don't know if they would take that route, though. That seems too... That seems like they would just take the lazy route and just cast uh, Scarlett Johansson in it again. I mean, yeah, but they could also introduce, you know, more from that program um, if she's the only one, if she's not the only one. I'm open to all the possibilities. So I, I feel like that we may get a character... We may still get her as a you know as the Black Widow, but we may get to see where there were other ones, or where they decided that you know what um, we want a new one and we about to let you go because it could be that way, which would be interesting too, if they say like right. oh, we tired of you and so yeah because you sold everybody out so uh, we have a new one coming and she's coming to kill you like that might be fun, that could be fun if they do it in a Kill Bill like way. Okay, I I might be on something like that, but she got to die. <laughs> Why she gotta die? <laughs> yeah, she just gotta die. She just gotta die. <laughs> she has to die, but yeah, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. I, I'm I'm looking forward to see what they're gonna do with this. Um, but I will say, as an unpopular opinion, and y'all gonna kill me. Oh, girl. Um, I don't think they should have a storm solo movie until the X-Men comes out first. I've been seeing a lot of people saying, put a Storm movie, solo movie first, and then the X-Men, I'm like, mm, no. <laughs> and y'all may come at me for that, and I'm sorry, but I, no. I, let's let's see what they do with the X-Men first. Let's, yeah, let's, let's hold our horses for that one, because... A lot of you niggas need like to rush things, and then it'll be shit, and then you mad because you rushed it, and then mad at us because we're judging you for rushing it. <laughs> so let's yeah, let's hold off on that because I'm on. not. Granted, we should have been had a storm movie, but it's better to wait and make it right mm-hmm. than rush shit and get something like Catwoman, the movie with Halle Berry. <laughs> Y'all leave that movie alone. <laughs> you know, I didn't look at it. I haven't looked at it in years. I I looked at it. I went to the movies to see it in New York, in New York City, because it was hype. Because again, if y'all y'all had to be there in New York City when that movie was coming out, because every freaking billboard you can think of was up everywhere. It, like you felt, I was hyped just by the billboards alone. Uh-huh. Like, beautiful billboards, beautiful. Um. But then I saw the movie and I was like, Lord, okay. But I, you know, I supported Hallie. I bought a Catwoman doll. I did all that I could. But yes, it cannot go down that route. So Wonder Woman 2, Black Widow, you you, you just can't go down a raggedy rat. Everybody, everybody's looking at you. So please give us some stories that we're going to really believe in. If you're going to introduce... I. I'm going to be realistic. I don't think they will ever introduce Nubia in the movies. But if they do, I would be highly surprised. Yeah, exactly. I just don't think they're going to introduce her in the movie. But um, but they could. You know, I could be stunned. They may introduce a character like her. That's what Well, I'm... don't do it like her. Just do it. Just do her. <laughs> well... They're not going to do that. They've done everything they can to almost erase her. So let's see what they can. Let's see what they may do with the Wonder Woman 2. But, you know, we'll see. We'll see. Um, what else do we have? There is something 
I do want to talk about before we get closer to the end. Um, but actually, let's go ahead and talk about The Gifted, because I know you've been watching The Gifted. I have been watching it, but I have not watched the uh, series, the season finale yet. How did, how did I end up catching up and you were the one who was watching it? I, I had to watch, I went to the movies last night to see uh, The Last Jedi. Oh, okay. Oh, what did you think of that? What do you think of The Last Jedi? Um, I think The Last Jedi was better than The Force Awakens. See, I, I believe that too. Like, I was actually into this one. There was a lot into this one that I was that kept my attention. So I, I agree. I agree. I know yeah. some people felt the other way around. But I was like, no, this was actually a solid film. So I... Um, I we might have to go into some spoilers. Um, at this point, people should know. Yeah, um, but I thought that, honestly, Finn could have been written out of the movie and nobody would have noticed. Hmm. Because he really didn't do anything. He was just running around yelling. You know, like usual. Yeah. Um, I thought that the women of the story made the movie. Hmm. Like, without them, then the story would have been shit. Did you hear about the men's group that actually took, they made a full five? You know what, I... I didn't pay that no mind because I have things to do. <laughs> I was like, these son of a bitches. Yeah, <laughs> sit up here and I was like, okay, whatever. Like, but they have too much time on their hands too to do much. a whole ass movie with nothing but the men in the from the film. I'm like, come on now. It's not that serious. And and the women made the movie <laughs> like, like, from Leia <laughs> when she got blown out of that into Listen. space and I was like she turned up that phoenix force <laughs> <laughs> and went right back in there. I was like that's how you do it that's how you do it like no you didn't they get rid of me I'm coming uh, back <laughs> they said on Nerds of Prey that she uh, Mary Poppins her way back into the, the bridge <laughs> and I fell out but see she should have died then and there I, I see it, what you're saying. It's like that she kept on getting these second chances and second chances. And we're like, we know that she's no longer with us. Mm-hmm. So it was, it was almost as if the Orion Johnson was trying to hold on to her. Yeah. Well, I thought that when she was, I thought she was going to pass quietly, like when she was in a coma. I thought right. They, I thought they were going to say that she's gone. And I, was, and I was like, okay. Okay, that's a nice, clean way. You know, I, I would have been like, okay, that's... But I don't know. We'll see. Because I'm not convinced Luke is gone. I think Luke is gone. Mark Hamill is tired of playing him, probably. I don't know. I was... I I, I didn't know what to think. I wasn't ready for that. I mean, I... You know, it was just like... I I mean, I liked the way he came out there. I liked that he did that shadow fight. I'm like, this man fought you, and he wasn't even there. Right. (laughs) Can we talk about... uh, Adam Driver, because a lot of people are not seeing it for him as this big bad guy. I see it for him as a big bad guy. I see it for him in my bed. I see it for him. (laughs) I feel it. And I like the way he is because he is a bratty character. But it's a lot of... It's a lot of angst and also a lot of baggage he has. Because here he is. He is the... He is the 
son of, of, of the legacy of what his grandfather is. He has his power. He realizes that, you know, Luke tried to get rid of him because of that. He knows, he doesn't know how to, to handle that power. And it's consuming him in so many different ways. And I like that it is him. It, it just conveys better through him. As a, and Adam is a very good actor. Don't don't let don't let people get caught up in saying he looks like a, a like Lurch. He's actually a good actor, and and I I like the way he plays Kylo Ren. Um, I think it was decent. I won't say it's like he's such a a good villain. I, I he could work on it a little bit, yeah, but um. I don't think he's, uh, what's the word? He doesn't have that kind of gravitas yet. But then again, that's not the way that they're trying to push his character in. Yeah. But I appreciate for what he brings something different to mm-hmm. the legacy of the Vader's yeah. lineage. Mm-hmm. And he got some good lips, though. Yeah, he does. I'm telling y'all, I know, I, I you know, we on, on on Twitter, you see people like, I don't see it, I don't get it. I'm like, I, that's fine, you ain't got to, but he is a very good looking man. There is a, something about him is very attractive. He's, he's, he has an odd sexual, like an odd sexual thing about him. Like, and I like that. I've always liked guys who have, they're not the traditional looking, they kind of a little bit different, but that gives them a little bit of. A little bit of you know of 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 a push. So I've always enjoyed him and that little scene with him in those high pants. I was like, that was fine. That was totally fine. <laughs> you know. Him and Urza Miller look alike. I can see that a little bit because um, they both have that that odd cuteness about them. Yeah. Because I did because at first I never thought about Ezra being cute, but then as he's gotten older, I'm like, oh okay, I can see oh, it. I- Oh, I know you're a fan. Yeah, that's, that's I know you're a fan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so but overall I thought the last Jedi was really good. Mm-hmm. Um there were so many like the deaths in that uh movie were so oh my goodness. Like uh especially uh oh gosh, what was her name? Uh Kelly Trans character. Oh yeah. Her, I don't know if it was her sister. Was it her sister? Yeah, her, or sister. Her, her sister. When her sister died, that that scene, that whole scene was like tough to watch. Yeah. It was. It was like, oh, okay. And there was a lot of close calls. Like, you know, I thought Finn was going to get it at that point. Because, you know, you, you don't know what's going to happen with these movies. Right. And I was like, oh, Lord, but then was she, she sacrificed? Well, she didn't. Well, she's still alive. But I like how she did what she had to do. It was just so much in this movie, so I really enjoyed it. Um, I was a little disturbed with the with the with Luke drinking the milk out of the nipples. Right, he just went up to that udder and started drinking milk. I was, I was like, like, okay, okay, what else are you doing? But <laughs> <laughs> got up and got him some mammy, um, some mammy uh, milk. And I was like, he just 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 went up her aggressively. Just <clears throat> like you didn't even ask. <laughs> One part that didn't I, under, I didn't understand it was kind of weird when Kelly Tran's character uh, saved Finn 
mm-hmm. how all of a sudden she fell in love with him. And there wasn't any foreshadowing yeah. as to her falling for him or vice versa. Well, remember when she first met him, she was like, he's known as like a legend and a hero. So, you know, imagine like, you know, like if we met Captain America and then we all of a sudden. Went oh, Chris on, Evans. Yeah. And we oh. and then we all of a sudden went on uh, on a mission with him where it's a lot of close calls and we're very close and we learn about each other. There's part, I feel like there would be a part of you that or part of uh, any of us that would be like. Okay, I'm really falling for you because I've been around you. I've 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 smelled your sweat. I've you know, <laughs> we we've argued. We've had fun. Okay, now I'm ready to be married. You know, stuff like that. You know, so it's just like, or Aquaman. Like, imagine if we were in. You know, we meet Aquaman. Lord have mercy. And we run around doing all types of adventures. All of a sudden, and you know, he's running around with her shirt off, and you're just trying to be modest and a Christian, and then. You know, things just happen. So I, I can almost understand where she's coming from. <laughs> True. But yeah, I, I thoroughly enjoyed the movie. Mm. And I know you didn't see Gifted, but I did see it. I'm not going to say much because I want you to be surprised. But I'm. they have mentioned Hellfire. Uh-huh. And yes. I'm interested about where they're going to go with the Hellfire Club. And who's going to be in there and who's going to, you know, I mean, we see Lorna is, you know, kind of becoming more like her father. Um, I didn't know she was pregnant. Wait. Oh, you didn't know that? Well, I'll have to spoil it for you. <laughs> I thought they already said that beforehand, but we now know she's, well, now you know. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, now I got to watch. It was two hours, wasn't it? Yeah, but it didn't really feel like it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna actually give this show a chance. I mean, it has Vampire Bill in it, so I'm gonna really give it a chance. Um. So yeah, it was it was a pretty good thing. I'm I'm very curious to what they're gonna do with next season, and I can't wait to see more Legion, um, especially now since it's all of it, all of those shows are gonna be Brian Singer free. So, Thank God. Now yeah. if they can get him off, I know. All uh, right. The Gifted was looking to remove him or potentially remove him from uh, the EP position that he has. Mm-hmm. I think they're going to have to. I mean, USC, he used to have a, a, a thing at USC, and I remember that one of my students used to kind of work for him, and now I understand why. Oh, my God. But anyway, um, it's. I think they may have to. The pressure is getting too, right. too much. But uh, on a side note, um, there's been a lot going on with this whole movement, and we've we, and while we were away, you know, we now have the time times up movement just taken up, and there will be another women's march coming up very soon, um, so we'll see a lot more with that. Um, but I think I said this before, but I'm I'm slowly slowly beginning to fear, um, how we, if we're not careful. If we're not educated about consent and what does it mean to have consent or understanding cues or what have you, things are going to get kind of derailed. I think we're seeing a little bit that with the Aziz story because that has changed a lot lately. And I mean, I cannot, I cannot tell a woman how she feels or what have you, but I think that has challenged people's views of consent lately. So I, you know, not really getting into it, but I think it's going to be interesting to see how 
we begin to educate ourselves about consent and what does that mean. But I'm very, very curious, and maybe we'll talk about it on the show, about how we as gay men start talking about sexual assault and consent and what does that mean. Because when I read the story about Aziz, I was like, oh my God, how many of us as gay men have experienced something like this? Uh-huh. And do we talk about it or do we chalk it up to like, oh, whatever. I, I'm very, I think it's, the conversation has started to some degree, but I think it's, I would love for us to start talking about what does all that mean within our community? Because we're dealing with just men. And so do we process it the same way or do we look at it totally different or we just sort of blow it off? Like think how many times that when you go to a, a bar or a club that you're groped or touched or it's uh-huh. considered normal or how or when we do it with our uh our straight female friends yeah yeah so yeah this you know and, and again i'm not blaming anybody with a c story but i think what that story has done is now make people start questioning things differently and i think that made me start thinking about like wow so how many times have we been with someone and then we're doing stuff and we're like mm, why am I doing this or why did I even do that at all why did I even go I could have just stayed at home you know stuff like this like I wonder how many of us have these type of stories too so again not to take away from the woman's experience but it just made me also think about what gay men are going through when it comes to that because do we even look at it the same do we even process it the same way or do we just kind of blow it off so I would love to have that conversation one day yeah that is a overdue conversation yeah but yeah, that's pretty much all. I think we all, I think that's all we had on our tea table today. Anything else? Yeah, let's go ahead and take a break, clean up these teacups, and let's get ready for the interview with DeRay. All right. Universal FanCon is a brand new convention coming to the Baltimore Convention Center in April of 2018. FanCon will be a round-the-clock event featuring comics, cosplay, gaming, celebrity guests, music, and more with a focus on diversity and inclusion. Get your tickets now at UniversalFanCon.com because geek is universal. And we're back. So we know you've been uh, enjoying this good episode of Mecha Shane. So we're about to crank it up to 100. We have a very special guest here. Yes, we do. You've seen him on Twitter. You've seen him in the news. He's a political activist. He's part of the Black uh, Lives Matter movement. He's a blue vest wearer. We have the very special DeRay McKesson on the show. It's an honor to be here. I'm excited to have this conversation today. Oh, thank, thank you. you. Thank you. As we said before, so, we... Oh, go ahead. Oh, <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead, Victor. No, I was just saying we were very happy to have you here. I'm excited because I have uh, been a fan of your work since you have been out there and just really been, you know, making treadway and everything for us. So I just want to say thank you. And again, thank you for being here today. You know, it's an honor to be here. And, you know, I'm mindful that I'm one of many people, that there are so many people who made the decision to stand in the street. So many people called the street by the blood of Mike Brown and so many others. So, you know, I'm just one of many people, and I'm proud to be one of them. And, you know, it gives me my energy when I go across the country and I see people find their voice for the first time and find their power. All right. Yes. That's excellent. So uh, let's get to it. So you're rather new to the podcast world, and... um can you explain the reasoning and concept between, uh, behind your podcast, uh, 
Five Save the People. Yeah, you know, it's like I figured out Twitter. Twitter, I, Twitter is home for me. I love Twitter. <laughs> we could not have had a movement without it. There wouldn't be protests without it. That would have been sustained. And I felt like I didn't know if people were learning on Twitter, right? I didn't know if people were like exchanging complex ideas. So I wanted to figure out a different way, a different medium that can allow that to happen. And the podcast seemed like the best space. So I think about like my conversations with Cory Booker or, or Snowden or Kirsten Gillibrand or Mayor de Blasio, mm-hmm. this has like opened up so much more space to have a conversation in a way that that's just not, Twitter is a different type of space and, and the written word is a different type of space. So I wanted to be a place that people learn. And, and then I have the, the news part with me, Brit, Brittany, Clinton, Sam, and the four of us, I talk about the news that you don't hear every day, like on TV. And that was really powerful too, because I wanted people to like be exposed to things that were really important, but you might not get other places. Hmm. That's excellent. And I think it's a, uh, the podcast is a very well needed, especially in this time, in this political climate that we're in. So I, I'm a, very much a fan of the podcast. Thank you. Mm-hmm. All right. So um, we we also just learned that you are now on the board of directors when it comes to Rock the Vote. Now, some people may remember Rock the Vote. I remember. I'm a little bit older, so I remember when it first started. Um, but <laughs> but for those who may not know what Rock the Vote is, can you talk a little bit about Rock the Vote as well as what your role would be on the board? Yes, I'm on the board. I'm like you know, fresh on the board, like <laughs> day three. Um, we actually just had our, I just had a board meeting yesterday, I guess. It was my first board meeting. So Rock the Vote is one of the nation's oldest voter registration and voter advocacy groups. Mm-hmm. Their online voter registration tool is the leading voter registration tool right now in the country. So that's open. And I, like, like you, I remember them when I was younger, mobilizing influences around voting. Like, that was one of the biggest things they did. But they have a lot of initiatives. Rock the Vote has a lot of initiatives now. It is, and we had a call uh, to plan out what, what the plan for 2018 was going to be. So that'll come out publicly soon. I'm excited to be on the board. You know, I know that voting is one way to build power. There are mm-hmm. many ways that we can build power, right? That we see in the street. Yeah. We're on boards and commissions. We lobby. We call. Voting is one of those ways, and I wanted to be a little bit closer to the work of voter mobilization and voter registration, and there was no better place to be than rock the vote. Yeah, it's true. And it's interesting because I think the impact of rock the vote can really, really change a lot of things. And I think about, you know, they also talk about the millennials, and so I feel like this is the time where this can really motivate people to get out there, especially with 2018 coming around. Well, it's already here. But with that coming around so soon, it's, I can see this really making a huge impact. So I'm excited to see what y'all got coming out very soon. Yeah, and you know, Rock the Vote is, there are a lot of great organizations out there, but I, my heart was close to Rock the Vote. I remember yeah. them as a, as a kid and wanted to get back. Yeah. I remember Diddy, basically, one of, one of the things he was doing at the time, um, really being out there, making sure. And then I remember Voter Die. It was all this stuff happening with Rock to Vote and what have you. So I'm, again, excited to see where this is going to go. Yeah. So you, uh, we all know that you have ran for mayor for the city of Baltimore, and you finished in sixth place. Um, as far as that experience, what did you learn from... Uh, 
campaigning aspect, and would you ever run for another public office again? Yeah, you know, one of the biggest lessons, I probably wouldn't announce so late, you know, I, if you remember, I announced literally on the last day that you could register and right before the deadline, and mm-hmm. a lot of it was like logistics, we couldn't find a lawyer that wasn't conflicted, so I would announce much earlier, <laughs> uh, but, the, but the lesson about campaigning was that there's no, nothing can compare to getting close to voters, so like knocking on doors and that sort of stuff, also... You know, I know now, and I did know then, that there are cheaper ways to get on TV, like to do ads. It's a very expensive proposition, and it doesn't privilege people who aren't cash rich. So, you know, we raised a lot of money, but Mm -hmm. in the state of Maryland, you can't use debit cards for campaigns. Mm -hmm. So that meant that, like, we essentially had to front all the money that we couldn't pay by check for. So, like, we had an Uber account for the campaign, for instance, and, like, it had to go in somebody's card, and then we could reimburse them, right? And, like, if you don't just have money lying around, that is actually really hard, right? Mm-hmm. And contrary to people's, you know, the rumors about me, I'm not uh, wealthy, and, you know, some of that was, like, a little bit harder than I anticipated, like, the money mm-hmm. part of it. But, like, it was incredible to be in so many parts of the city, hear people's vision for the city, and think about how we could make it better. Yeah. Now, ever since the 2016 election, the climate has really changed. Um, how do you think we should cope through this time when a lot of people feel like there's no hope or nothing really matters? How do you think we should kind of handle this time right now? Give me one second. I think that I think three things one is that people need to stay as informed as they can there's so much happening that it's impossible to take in every single thing at every moment but people should find the source that it will inform them and stay informed the second is that we need people to remember that they have power that like they can push the system to change it that one vote matters one email one call all of that matters in the aggregate mm-hmm. and the third is that we're always trying to focus on systemic change that programs are important they have a role to play good people are important too. We want to make sure that the system works for people. Yeah. So when the people change, the system still works. Uh, and, and that, I think, has to be a focus as we move forward. Yeah, that's true. And I, and I want to believe that people are seeing um, some hope when you think about Alabama um, as well as Virginia and how, you know, it's just how some of those have changed the game and how voting went so far. So I am really hoping that people start believing in the system and really get out there come November. Yeah, you know, we have a chance to take it back at least one house in Congress or both. Mm-hmm. And now, let me start. We have a chance to take back either one house in Congress or both, and that would be huge to stop Trump's agenda, which we've seen be a disaster from day one. <laughs> Gosh, it's such a mess. It is. <laughs> he's, he's such a mess of a person. I know. <laughs> oh, it's a nightmare. Every yeah. day. It's like, and it gets worse. You're like, I didn't know it could get worse. That's true. Cause, and then, yeah, after I was like watching yesterday and how, you know, and he's talking about this one minute. It, it feels like that whoever finishes the sentence or whoever the last person that speaks to him, um, that he may agree or disagree. Mostly he'll agree, it feels like. It's just odd. Like, you never know what will come out of his mouth. So it's kind of scary right. sometimes. <laughs> And the team around him. It's like not even just, it's not like he's the 
he is the one who's really wild and everybody else is like calm and chill. It's like, no, they're all nuts, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So going forward in the 2018, we see that it is a midterm election year and there's so much at stake, especially for the Democrats. I mean, you have uh, at least 20 some odd uh, governor races. I think all of the House representatives are up for grabs. Uh, what is the importance or the significance of this year and how us voters, how do we need to come up and change the ballot box? Yeah, I think that this year is actually huge. Not only the midterm elections, but there are a lot of governor elections happening, and the governors who are elected now will be the governors that sign the redistricting plans. Mm. So that's huge. And we're also beginning the preparation for the census, which will have huge consequences on the way that, <clears throat> excuse me, which will have huge consequences on the way that money is distributed at the federal level for the next decade. So a lot of things happen in 2018. I think that what we'll see emerge over the next couple months will be resources to help people make sense of the information they're taking in and make sense of the candidates, the positions, like when the dates are, where the polling sites are. I think that that stuff will emerge soon so that people know how to make an informed decision. And I hope that people will understand what's at stake. It is far, you know, it's relatively far away from sort of the early primary season to start in June and then in the November election day. But uh, I think that we'll see a ramp up soon right after the State of the Union. Yeah. Oh God, I forgot about that. Oh, this is gonna be such a mess. <laughs> Probably have to take a drink for every word that is said or miss whatever miss said or just whatever is gonna happen that day. Who knows? Um, since since we are really talking about a lot with um twenty eighteen, what are your predictions? What do you think is gonna really go down this year? You know, I don't. I. I'm trying not to predict. I think that we will. I think that we will see the messaging on the left on the left solidify itself a little bit better. So I'm hopeful about mm, that. I think yeah. that the energy will sustain itself. Mm-hmm. I think that people are tired and will probably take the first couple months to recharge, but we'll be back at it. I think that Trump will, uh, for better or for worse, be consistent. Um, <laughs> and I think that people will be even more tuned to like what's at stake. I think the Republicans are going to try. I think that like, this whole ploy with Bannon and Stephen Miller, I think that they're going to try and get rid of the harshest parts of, of like how the public experiences the party mm-hmm. to set them up for a good distancing when the elections come around so that people can say, no, I didn't believe in Bannon, da, 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 as if that will be a salve for the fact that they just, you know, believe in him up until now. So I'm hopeful that the Republicans don't get away with that. Yeah, this... It's funny you speak of Steve Bannon and how this went down. I I did not predict that we'll be seeing a groveling Steve Bannon, you know, trying to get back in to the White House. I I I've been expecting him to like lash out in such you know dramatic ways that we only see on Dallas and Dynasty. But <laughs> yeah, I don't think he's gone though. Like I, you know, I think remember he left Breitbart before, and Breitbart was mm-hmm. the same Breitbart it was. Right? True. Like when he was at the White House, he wasn't at Breitbart. So I don't. I wouldn't count him out. I think that some of this feels like a public posturing, so that Republicans can say, you know, we don't like him. He is bad. Mm-hmm. That will let the public think that they've been redeemed a little bit. And that's yeah. not true. Yeah, but a part of me is also feeling like some of this is staged because I keep thinking of how Trump loves to stage up some drama. A part of me wonders if this is something to 
is this is a distraction, you know, from everything that's going down with the Russian investigation. A part of me just has this weird conspiracy that this is kind of a orchestrated distraction to do, but who knows? But, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm almost, I don't want to say thrilled, but I'm almost kind of excited to see Steve Bannon go rogue in a way that it go, that it hurts the Republicans, not us, but it's Steve Bannon. So everybody's going to get kind of shat on when it comes to this. Man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah. Steve Bannon looks like he has leprosy. Like, he looks like they a bad... <laughs> like, a bad case of, like, a flesh-eating bacteria that just got all over him, and it's, like, in its final stages, or it's, like, mutating. That's what happens when your soul is so dark. That, exactly. Yeah, that's what I believe, too. God don't like ugly. I really don't. Right. <laughs> So we're all queer men of color, and today, how do queer men of color factor in the political climate? Yeah, I think that what we've seen in the past three years is that we've seen conversations about identity become more and more public than they've ever been. That there's there's public language about the complexity of identity in a way that we've not seen before. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean that homophobia in a way or transphobia uh, but it does mean that like we we have language for this stuff. I think that in the political space, I think that we see queer men everywhere. I think that they are movers and shakers behind the scenes and from the scenes. You, you, there, there are people like Don Lemon who like wouldn't have existed 20 years ago, like that publicly out. There are activists. There are uh, leaders at the state and local level. You know, and I think that the elections uh, in Minneapolis and Virginia like show that. We will see queer candidates not only run but do really well and win. So I'm hopeful. Like I think that this is the begin. I think that the public conversation creates space for us to do something really different. And I'm hopeful about like what the long term implications of that are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I believe that too. I really. I, do. I, yeah, I do too. And I think we see that. Well, I think the South is going to be surprisingly queer this midterm election. Um, I know. A friend of mine, he is running as a representative, um, and so, and I'm in Kentucky, so we'll see a lot more queer representation in the government, the, in our governments. Okay, I, I actually, yeah. I'll go ahead. No, I mean, I think the thing too is like it's a conversation about who's out, right? I think that there actually are already a lot of queer people in the government. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Are they out or not? Is is like another question. I think that we'll see more out queer people, mm-hmm. like as time continues. Yeah, and you mentioned about how identity is playing a strong role, but it's also interesting to hear how some people want to push back identity politics, as they call it. Um, I I know one thing that I I get a little bugged down with with Bernie Sanders, for example, is they talk about how we need to focus on the white working class and not so much on. Um, kind of that that whole politics of identity and what have you how do you feel when you hear you know talk about let's focus on the the working class or the white working class and and push identity politics aside yeah we know that there's no politics that's not the politics of identity that all politics in this country have been rooted in in identity politics from Mm -hmm. the founding of the country to uh to the genocide of the native americans right that the politics 
politics of identity are deeply rooted in this country. I think some of this is a function of who controls uh, the major media outlets. So, like, people are writing about these issues from a lens that is white, that is uh, privileged, and that they have not done the work to understand and examine that. So, so there's this idea that they are under threat, like the white working class is under threat. Well, we know that the reality is that people of color and marginalized people have been under siege for a really long time, and people are now just uh, bringing that to the most public conversation, or that is being a part of the most public conversation mm-hmm. uh, only recently. And it's clear that this is like a, a distraction and deflection. It wasn't uh, It wasn't people who lost this last election, you know? There was a drop in voter turnout amongst people of color, but part of that can be attributed to the way that the parties like actually like treated those people. Uh, white mm-hmm. people over, overwhelmingly voted for overwhelmingly voted for Trump. So I think it's more complicated than this idea of focusing on the white working class. I do think that we need to think about a politics that makes people feel included. Mm-hmm. And I think that there are some people who like don't feel included. And that is different from like changing policies that might be a messaging issue. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a very good point. So, kind of getting into um, activists, because we're now seeing a lot of new people. I work at a university, so I'm seeing a lot of young students becoming activists and trying to get into, get comfortable with that role of being an activist. Um, what advice do you have for new activists who are trying to make a difference in their communities? There's no way to do work that you're not close to, but you gotta be close to the work to be effective. Mm-hmm. So make sure you ask the questions, be curious. Uh, you wanna know You want to know the issues that you fight about, you want to know them really well. The second is, when we think about self-care, it's this mm-hmm. idea that like you can't pour from an empty cup, so make sure that you are filling up the cup, that you're reading, that you're mm-hmm. experiencing the world, so that you didn't have something to put out in the world, that, mm-hmm. you, that it's hard to do anything when you don't have energy to provide. Yeah. And the third is that if we can't imagine it, we can't fight for it. That sometimes what oppression does is that it steals people's imagination, that people can't think of a world that is better than this. They like, can't see it. Yeah. And we have to continue to be dreamers, and we have to continue to imagine a world that is not this one. That's true. Wow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so since we are a geek-based podcast, what are you looking forward, uh, looking forward to here in the, the geek world this year? Uh, do video games count? Oh, video games, comics, film, anything. I don't really, um, I'm not really a gamer, partly because as a kid I was obsessed with SimCity. I mean, like, I was in too deep and I had to, like, tell myself no more. So I don't know if I games. So ever since I was a kid, I just, like, don't really play games because I, I can't turn it off. But my sister, uh, my, my sister has two kids. I have a niece and a nephew who are great. And they have a Nintendo Switch, and I went over to their house for Christmas and played the Switch, and I'm, like, obsessed. So I just need to find some – I don't have – you know, I live in Baltimore, and a lot of my friends don't live in Baltimore, so, like, I don't have people to play with. Mm-hmm. But And I know you can play online, but I'm, like, obsessed with Uncooked, the cooking game, being my sister play. Arms is great. Uh, Mario Kart is Mario Kart, so, like, I feel like that doesn't even count because it's, like, Mario Kart, but Mario Kart's great. But yeah, I'm obsessed, obsessed with uh, Nintendo Switch. So I'm hopeful that more multiplayer games will come out on the console. I want my friends to get it. I'm, I'm sad when I go to people's houses and they don't have a TV I can go up to. 
them all about it. Yeah, Nintendo Switch, I don't have a Switch. I have a, a PlayStation 4. But they really blew me away as far as how adaptable they have become as far as the market. Um, they had a really good year. They had Zelda, or I mean, not Zelda, but Link come out. They had all these very good games in the first year. So I'm thinking this year is going to be even better. And Sony better watch out for them. I wish I can get into games like y'all. I, it's just, I don't know what it is about playing video games. I don't know if I, was, I just got blown out from it when I was younger, when, you know, Pac, I feel like an old maid. I think about when Pac, because I was there when Pac-Man came out. I remember that. And play that too many times, too many times. So I, I wish I can get into games like y'all. But uh, even though we kind of asked you a geeky question, I, I have, I'm very curious. Do you consider yourself a geek or a blurred or a nerd? I mean... Uh, I don't, those words, like, were always used as, like, pejorative words when I was a kid, but yeah. I think about myself as, like, a, um, as a reader and somebody who loves the, the written word. I can read all day and all night and be completely cool. Um, there's a book that comes out, I think, in March, The Children of Blood and Bone, which mm-hmm. is incredible. It's a young adult novel. I read it uh, a month ago. I read it in one day. It's like uh, 600 pages. I woke oh. up, started, and finished it that day. So, you know, I love uh, books. Uh-huh. Um, I love the computer. And now I love my Nintendo Switch. <laughs> <laughs> well, I haven't done a book like that since It. I think when It came out, I literally read that. I read that in a day and a half. It took me a day and a half to read that. Crazy yeah, so book. many good books. Um, love books. Like the book, the, there's a really great book called Tiger Lily. Do you know who Tiger Lily was? Yes. Who was she? Uh, oh, look at you. Uh, <laughs> she was, Tiger Lily was in Peter Pan. She was the, the, the young lady that he was trying to save. Yeah, and he was the first person that, he fell in love with Tiger Lily before Wendy. Mm-hmm. And the book is uh, essentially a story of Peter Pan told by Tiger Lily, and it's incredible. Hmm. So a lot of great books. Um, big book fan. Yeah. Yep. Go ahead, Victor. All right. So um, given all the projects and things you have done, what are some of the important aspects you've learned about people in general? That I've learned about people? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that people like want to be involved, right? I think that one of the things that's hard about the organizing community is that there are way more people who want to be involved and there isn't the infrastructure to absorb those people right now. So like, I think that's like a, a, that is a challenge, but people want to figure out how to make an impact. Like we're helping out the organizers in Florida right now. There are 6 million ex-fellows in the country that can't vote. About 2 million live in Florida and they're incredible organizers and they're helping to get petitions for this ballot initiative. And we're providing support and we're running a call center and like, you know, they've made like 1200 calls in like seven days. And there's just people who like wanted to get involved, you know? And like, it was easy to do. They wanted to do it. We just needed to create the space. So that's like one of the things that I am mindful of every day. Like people want to make a difference. They often just don't know how or afraid to start. Hmm. Yeah, I think very true. People are just afraid of that first step. And the first step is hardest. Yeah. So our very last question, after it's all said and done and you've 
done all you wanted to do, what do you want to be remembered by the most? Oh, I don't know. I think I think we're too early. I'm too early in the work to think about that. You know, I want I want us to win. I lo- I would love for all of us to look back and say that not only did we change the conversation, which we did and which we're still doing, but that we changed the system. That systems and structures fundamentally operate differently because of the work that we've all done together. I want that to be the way that we're all remembered for this fight. Yeah, as uh-huh. a very good summary because I think there's a seat for all of us and you know you don't have to cut anybody else to get ahead yeah you shouldn't do that you shouldn't yeah, yeah. So, so Ray, we, again we want to uh, thank you so much for coming on the show today and you know sharing some time giving us some wisdom and all that good stuff where can everybody find you on the internet just DeRay on Twitter, so at uh, D-E-R-A-Y, and on Instagram, Instagram, I am I am DeRay, so I am D-E-R-A-Y. And those are really the two places that I am on the internet. And can you plug your podcast real quick? Yeah, so Positive People comes out uh, every Tuesday. It's a podcast focused on issues of race, justice, and equity, so we'd love, to, uh, we'd love for you to listen to it. Check in. Tune in. We've had Snowden and uh, Cory Booker and Kirsten Gillibrand and Mayor de Blasio, John Legend, all these great people talking about uh, justice and equity. All right. Awesome. Awesome. And with that said, let's take another break. All right. Hey, this is Steph Firewell. Join me bi-weekly at The Lemonade for all things nerdy and geeky, giving you all the sweet and sour notes from the nerd world, as well as my own special commentary to make this blend of lemonade just right. Follow The Lemonade at Audio Boom SoundCloud, Podbean at the Points of Interest Network, and I'll see you guys soon. Enjoyed the interview with DeRay. Uh, thank you so much, uh, DeRay, for coming on the Mecca Sheen podcast. Uh, you can check out him on Twitter, on his podcast, on his Rock the Vote. You know, he's doing the big things. So, real quick before we get up out of here, you can follow us on Twitter. I'm at Porter Pizzazz, Victor's at Wonderman5. You can follow the podcast at Mecca Sheen Pod. You can rate, subscribe, like, comment on SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher. We're on Facebook. We're on Instagram. The website is coming. It is just (laughs) about finished. I know I have been trying to get that shit together, but it is almost there. And we have Um, a new logo. (laughs) Oh, yeah, we got a new logo. Thanks to Deuces Rage on Twitter for hooking us up. Seriously, if you need a logo, go out to him. Um, anything else before we get up out of here? No, that's it. We're just glad to be back. And, and you know, who knows what 2018 is going to bring. Just today alone, um, what's it, Steve Bannon has been subpoenaed. So who knows what's going to happen for the next couple of weeks. <laughs> right. Hopefully, I hope 2018 can end with a indictment. Yes, a okay. criminal indictment 
and an impeachment. Just something, something good. Something good. Yeah. So let me get up out of here because I'm hungry. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm just tired. So we will see y'all next week. Bye.